Hi, my name's Lydia and I'm a human of HR. Hi, my name's Simon and I'm a human of HR. Hi, I'm Emma and I'm a human of HR. My name's Jill and I'm a human of HR. Hi, my name is Michael and I'm a human of HR. Welcome to Humans of HR, a conversation about all things HR. We keep it real, raw and refreshing. We're not afraid to ask the questions or go where others won't go. We're real people having real conversations about real topics. You ready? Let's do this. Well, welcome again to another Humans of HR episode and we are coming at you live, well, as live as we can be, from the virtual HR Tech Fest conference, um, which is uh, physically in Sydney, though uh, online and, and everywhere. And I'm very pleased this morning to be joined, uh, well, shall I introduce myself first? David Gazzarotto and I head up the LibGen uh, Asia Pacific business. And I'm very pleased this morning to be joined by our CEO and co-founder, Jason Aberbrook, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me. Excellent. And sitting alongside me is Jared McGrath, who is the CEO of Smart WFM and uh, someone else who knocks around the space here in, in the uh, digital HR and workforce management scene. Welcome, Jared. Thank you, David. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. One of the real humans of the world, Jared McGrath. <laughs> uh, he's... He, yeah, so I think he could uh, wear that label quite proudly. So listen, yeah, great feedback yesterday on, on our little recap that I did with Michelle. Um, so you know, we're going to do a quick look back on, on some of the highlights from yesterday's program um, and then look forward to what's on the agenda for today, which um, in these virtual environments, we, we, we do get a reasonable amount of live attendance, but many people will be consuming the content in the recorded on-demand manner later, so I think that's um, that's always worth noting. Um, so, Jason, I'll get you in a few moments' time just to give us a little bit of a teaser on on some of the key yeah, themes for sure. today and, and what you're looking to see as, as well. But before we get to that, um, let's just do a quick recap on, on yesterday's day two of the conference. And again, look, credit to the team at Hanover Affairs, uh, you know, Ian Collier, who we know well, Jason, um, and, and uh, his, his team of uh, put, who put together some amazing content, some great sessions yesterday, um, led with a keynote from, from Josh Burson, who um, we don't need to introduce. Uh, he's certainly one of the key uh, thought leaders in our space. Um, and so he led us off yesterday. And uh, he led us off with, with some, some, you know, I guess a, a sneak peek into his forthcoming research um, that, that he always puts out around this time of year, Jason, around you know trends that he's seen and, and what he thinks twenty twenty one is going to look like and beyond. Um, so uh, I you know, I think that was an interesting session. I, I will say one thing: um, Josh is very he, he packs a lot of content into those sessions, and his uh, his slideware is always very uh, insightful and, and and content rich in and of itself, and certainly was. Yesterday, a couple of things that came out of it for me, Jason. I'll probably get you to to throw your two cents worth in on it. Um, one of the things uh, he talked about was uh, he sees a pivot from product centric uh, back to platform. So where companies have been investing in more of the best of breed tooling for the various aspects of their digital HR and workforce tech, um, moving back towards platforms. Um, and, and that now you know, the scampering of a lot of vendors to, to you know, increase uh, their, uh, more, you know, put more features and, and functions into their platforms. So that was one 
point and Jared, you wanted me to give you three. So I'll give you three. The second one was around <laughs> this push from sort of HR tech to work, you know, work technology and workforce tech. And I think that's something that, that certainly Jason, you, you talk a lot about too, that we've, and this year has really shown that we've moved beyond just the tools for HR and for, for the people management to now tools for the workforce and, and having to be across all of those. The third one was around experience. And again, you know, that's something that we here at LeapGen and you guys at Smart WFM are so, uh, you know, uh, focused on is, is how do we, you know, ensure that we are using the technology to deliver the great experiences that we need to engage our workforces, to support them better. And at the end of the day, to make them more productive and, and take friction out of what we're doing. So that, that was kind of the key points from, from, jo from Josh Burson yesterday. Um, so Jason, just a, a few sort of thoughts in response to that. And, and yeah, I mean, Josh is, Josh is on top of the industry and knows exactly what every organization, what every software vendor is out there doing, which is, which is brilliant. And you know, his job is to try to turn that into some key talking points, which it sounds like he did brilliantly as usual. Um, the concept of product and platform, I mean, one of the things that's most important for organizations to keep in mind is to focus on outcomes um, and not focus on whether it's a product or a platform. Um, I, you know, let the technology people do that sometimes we get too caught up in the architecture side of it versus yeah. the you know architecture side of it. And, you know, whether I say product or whether I say platform at the end of the day, what I want to do is I want to have a stable platform, you know, of so a stable platform quote solution that will get done what I needed to get done and allow me to be great at the things I want to be great at and be performing at the things I'm that I need to be performing at and really think about those things that are different as competitive differentiators that where I want to call them out. I think going forward, we're going to see more platforms. I don't think that's any, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to say that, you know, I've got an iOS platform here. We've got an Android platform. I've got an OS, I've got windows, you know, I mean, I've got platforms and I've got tools, software solutions that run on the platforms. I think going forward, we're going to see much more interoperability, and people are not going to care as much about buying things from four or five or six different vendors as long as they work on a quote-unquote platform. And whether, that, whether they buy the things from that platform or whether it's through a marketplace that's supports by, supported by that platform, I think you're going to see that in lots of different shapes. And you've also you've made, uh, uh, done a bit of commentary on the recent you know, uh, Salesforce Slack tie-up. Um, I think I guess you know, that's an example of a platform that's evolving towards our space a lot more too. You know, Dave, I'm going to take that and turn it into the experience conversation that you started also, if you don't mind, yeah. because, you know, yeah, to yeah. me, uh, that's what we're, that's, that's, guys, that's what we're doing here. Like, let's forget about the names of the vendors. Let's forget about platform. Let's forget about product. We're trying to make sure that we connect and build connection between people, you know, between the companies that they work for and the customers that they support. That's what we're doing. And, and whatever the tools are that we need to do that to make people count, to connect those people to our customers and make sure our customers feel that they're getting the best experience while employees get the best possible experience working at our organizations with the employee value proposition infused. Those are the tools that we're going to see. And, you know, gone are the days of just buying engines, you know, and hopefully being able to put a frame around it. You know, I, today I'm buying engines, but I also am buying, you know, parts to the car that get me to move down the road at, at warp speed. And the Salesforce Slack you know, um, play is just another example of that. I'm taking Salesforce, which is a system of transaction. I'm combining it with a 
system of interaction and system of collaboration to create an ultimate experience that ties together as employees, customers, organizations of all shapes and sizes. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about execution, David and Jared, but that the the world's their oyster if they use that, if they use those assets that they have to their advantage. No, great, great insights. Jared, I might dial you into this. Um, I guess the, the, the part that Josh talked about yesterday was this, um, we're moving away from a paradigm around HR tech to more of a broader frame of reference around work tech and workforce technology, mm-hmm. which encompasses the collaboration side of things, the productivity tools, and more broadly. You coming at this from a workforce management background, I think, um, and you and I have talked on uh, about that convergence of, of what was HR and HCM and, and what has been kind of operations in organisations from a staffing standpoint. How do you react to that notion of us moving towards more of a workforce technology frame of reference? Yeah, so it comes back to the experience layer, I think, that you know we've been talking about. But if you look back a few years ago, there was a very big focus on HR tech and you know, about that being there for the for the person, for the worker. But now it's sort of moving more to that work tech. I think over the next year or two, it's really going to move more towards people tech or human tech. And and it's all about the experience of the person, not only inside the workplace, but outside the workplace as well. And it's being able to line up all of those different human-based inter- interactions, whether it's buying something, whether it's changing your name and address within the organisation, it's been able to put that all into a, a, a way in which it just lines up seamlessly for a person, whether they're inside or outside the workplace. And a word I used um, earlier on today was it's ubiquitous. It's, it's sort of technology is all around us just to support a seamless way of, of operating, of thinking, of doing, of being. Yeah, and, and that was a comment that um, Josh made yesterday too, and uh, we've talked a lot about this um, in, in our space, Jason, um, is this, this having to be more adaptive. So what's happened this year with with all of the pandemics and, and everything else has, has thrust us from being very deliberate in how we go about you know, the construct of work and, and, and our organisations and our operating models to having to be more agile and more adaptive. And I think that's probably a key point to raise as well. Yeah, I mean, my friends on the other side of the pond there, I can't get into that until I discuss that HR tech topic that you, I wanna chime in on that also. Uh, I realize that uh, I realize that I we just got done with our debate cycle here in the U.S. and I know you're moderating, so I probably shouldn't just jump in and take over. But I have to answer it really. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, it, we've been, we haven't been doing real HR tech for the last decade. Uh, it's not new. This is not new. We've yeah. been doing. We've been we've been trying to get employees and managers to use our tech for the last decade but we really haven't done anything innovative when it comes to HR tech. What we're doing now is we're actually just saying, hey, employee manager, don't just use our stuff. Let's actually develop stuff that's really valuable to you. So I just wanna make sure that I just, well, I agree that there's a pivot to away from HR tech. That pivot started 10 years ago. It's not something new. It's just been totally, shot. we just shined the light on it right now. A and B, the cloud and mobile have basically made it so that I have the ability to access the stuff in a way that makes more sense. But, you know, your concept of adaptive and, you know, the world going through all of the stuff that's gone through in 2020, I mean, once again, it's been an accelerant. It was going to happen eventually. I think you've heard me say, and I said in my keynote um, that, you know, 
at, right after Y2K was over with. I mean, all three of us, you can tell by our hair colors, are old enough to remember Y2K. Right after Y2K, we started talking about this thing called Workforce 2020. You know, Workforce 2020 is we were all going to be remote. We weren't going to travel as much. We were all going to be in boxes. We were all going to, you know, you know, start just, you know, distributed work. And guess what? 2020 hit and Workforce 2020, that prediction that someone made by calling it Workforce 2020 was right. We didn't know it was going to take a pandemic to get us there. Uh, but at the end of the day, what's key, David, is that organizations are going to have to play offense and defense together like they've never done before. And that's, yeah. that's a new skill set. So if you take most uh, athletes, they can't play offense and defense. They're either yeah. good at offense or they're good at defense. And I, I think organizations around the world now are going to have to continue to think about how do they play offense and defense together at the same time, which makes really interesting workforce management discussions. Jared, about you know, how do I both save money and drive value at the same time? Yeah, and, and what, what I'm seeing a lot of at the moment, back to that manager um, discussion, and is organisations really trying to work with their managers to make them more entrepreneurial, understand what the effect of putting an extra two people on a shift are, um, helping them, you know, get a better work-life balance with the people that are on um, their team, so that they, you know, if someone's sick or you know needs a needs time off tonight. It's it's really getting those balances right, but understanding the financial needs of the organisation as well, because yeah. it does have to all work together. You, you know, you can't have an organisation that loses money; it, it, otherwise, the organisation won't be there. And I think there's a real maturing in the market at the moment. Um, not just at the senior leadership level within organisations to do this, but the workers also want to be more effective at what they do. I spoke to an organisation the other day where some of the workers are quite high profile and some of the community hasn't been happy with the work that they've been doing because they've been, you know, deemed to be inefficient and not productive. And they've been getting an earful from the public about it. And, and that's not right, you know. The workers want to be better, the, the leadership wants to be better, the community wants them to be better, and all of these things are really starting to bubble up now with everyone moving towards the same common goal, which is really exciting for, for, for everyone involved. Definitely. Uh, it's a good segue because I, uh, one of the other sessions yesterday was one that I was involved in and I had the privilege of being uh, in a position of, to moderate a live Q&A with Shane Fitzsimmons, who... Um, was a commissioner for the Rural Fire Service here in New South Wales, has gone on to lead a newly formed agency called Resilience New South Wales. Uh, what a fantastic guy, great human being. And he was someone, Jason, who um, was the public face of a very acute um, adverse situation for us here with the bushfires at the start of the year. And um, I made the comment to him yesterday in the introductions that there were two people that have given me comfort this year. One was... Shane himself as public figures and the other was our chief medical officer here in the state of New South Wales, Dr. Kerry Chad, because they would just come and very calmly, very authentically um, give us the information we needed and, and I guess allay some of the fears that we had about what was going on around us. So we had this really great conversation about authentic leadership and I want to touch on that with you in a moment, Jason. But the other thing that um, we talked about with him yesterday was he comes from a very command and control style of organisational design in that paramilitary type and emergency services and the like. And there was a question from one of the audience around, um, does that make it easier to manage? 
um, around, you know, particularly when there's, there's crises. Mm. And he, he said, well, actually, it's, it, that organisational design construct is there to create the framework and to take the friction out of the everyday, but actually it's also there to, to make individuals be able to bring what they have and to be very adaptive in doing so. Because in those emergency contexts, whether it's, whether it's war, whether it's bushfires, whether it's COVID, um, it's actually about bringing the true self out and being able to be adaptive in that moment as well, which I think talks to what we're, we're saying there. So that, that was just a, a good little segue point there. Flipping back, Jason, that really where we spent most of our time in the conversation with Shane yesterday was around leadership in those acute adverse times and, and you yourself have led our organization but also have have um been sought out i mean as an industry influencer you know a lot of organizations have sought your advice on how to navigate through these difficult times um i wonder whether whether you would be keen to share some of that experience and what you know you you felt as a leader through this period as well yeah, and 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 still feeling. By the way, it's not just. Of course, uh, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not over. So I think that the biggest thing that I think the biggest thing for any leader is, at this point is to look at themselves in the mirror and say, if you're leading, uh, you know, in December of 2020, like you were leading in January of 2020, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Um. That, that's just. I. To me, that's as simple as that. Um, if if this hasn't been if 2020 hasn't been a wake up call to your leadership style, if wake if 2020 hasn't been a wake up call to your level of humanity that you infuse into leading people, if work if 2020 hasn't been a wake up call to the concept that hey the way that you think about growing, fostering, nurturing talent, probably is not the way you were doing it before isn't the way you should be doing it going forward. Uh, there's something wrong with you. Uh, and it requires you to take a quick look back at the phone or whatever you, wherever you keep your notes and say, hey, January of 2020, here's what I thought we were going to do. It's December of 2020. You know, look what happens now that the baby's born. Uh, it's not what I expected. So, I mean, for me, that what's been so important about that are really three things. There's been transparency. Uh, I've become a much more transparent leader during 2020 than I ever was before. And it wasn't because I was hiding anything. It was because I didn't think anyone cared. And what I've learned is that transparency actually allows people to trust. Uh, and that's what one thing that people grasp onto more than anything during times that are a little bit turbulent. Um, the second thing is, is that, that the concept of work-life balance, that whole thing, you know, people bring themselves, their life to work. And people bring their work back to their life. And at the end of the day, we're still one human. We're not two humans, one that works and one that goes home. We're one human. And you, as much as you can try to separate it, it's really hard to separate it. And I actually don't believe that in December of 2020, we should be separating it. We should be caring about people. We should be caring about their families. We should be caring about what's going on in their personal lives, as well as how that's, how, what's happening with them at work. And then the third thing I would just say is that we have to get away from this command and control model of people, of managing people. Um, and I've never really been a big fan of a command and control model of managing people, so it's a little bit different for me, but I see it every day. We have to stop checking up on people. We have to check in on people to see how they're doing. We have to stop monitoring people and start enabling feature. 
I, excuse me, people. I was reading something about a bunch of new features that Microsoft released today to be able to see exactly how many minutes someone sent, spent in a spreadsheet or versus how many minutes they spent in a Word document editing it, you know, as a way to measure people's performance. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Like, if, if, if this is where we're going, like, I'm tapping. You know, because that's the asinine way to think about things. You know, I mean, that's I measure. That's how I measure robots. That's how I measure machines. That's not how I measure people. I measure people based on output. I measure people based on outcomes. I measure people based on impact. And it's just so important in December 2020 to realize that as a leader, you want to make sure that you understand how you're measuring people. You want to make sure that you're being transparent with them you know, a thousand percent of the time. And at the end of the day, realize that they're humans that have lives outside of work and that it's a blended life. Awesome. Jason, we're going to have to wrap up shortly because I know you have to duck off and actually get into your session at HR Tech Fest this morning. Um, but perhaps just as we, uh, as we wrap up here, um, your keynote this morning, which is, I think, um, just about to, to start, um, shaping a better normal in the now of work, uh, what are, I guess, the key takeaways you want people to uh, to have from, from that session today? David, we've gone from the future of work to the now of work. And one of the things I'm really excited to partner with you and Jared on, you know, is how do we create a better normal? Uh, I think, David, you know, and I, you and I had a call where I was like, dude, I'm so sick of ask, people asking me when things are going back to normal. You know, like, I don't want them to go back to normal. We don't want them to go back to normal. We want a better normal. Let's use this opportunity to create a better normal. And that's what the keynote's all about. It's about reimaginations. It's about thinking different about what's going to be a better normal in the now of work. Notice I didn't say the word HR once in what I just said to you. HR is there to support work. HR is there to support us as humans. And as long as HR realizes that it's there to do that versus to create rules, policies, et cetera, et cetera, that end up, that end up hindering our work, I think that, uh, you know, the future is bright. So it's all about that, David. And at the end of the day, I think the other thing I'll just say is it's the most exciting time in our industry. I've never been more excited. Never, never, ever in my life been more excited about where this industry is, um, you know, and some of the activities that are happening around it. But at the end of the day, it's up to all of us. Thanks, Thank you. Ever so much. Thanks for, for the end of the year and the, the new year, everyone. Yep. Thanks, you guys. Love you all. Bye.